Arizona Sports. Kevin Durant. Watch. The latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. there it was kind of a stretch when we played that rejoinder because it just wasn't anything new to tell you about Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. Now there is new stuff to oh, we're just being honest about it, right? Like like we would we would continue to talk about it because it was always still a possibility, but really nothing new had happened. New stuff has happened in the last 24 hours. The reiteration of the trade demand, the ultimatum of the general manager and the coach or Kevin Durant, the response from the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, etc., etc. Sham Sharania, who notably, Gambo, did not mention the Phoenix Suns yesterday in his writing of this story. What? I, I know. He mentioned the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Heat. Didn't mention the Suns. He went on Pat McAfee's show today, and he said, Phoenix is an out of it, they're just kind of behind everybody else. Could Phoenix still come up with some kind of a package around Mikhail Bridges and four, five, six first rounders to go send another team and try to get back in this race? Because once DeAndre Ayton had his contract offer sheet from Indiana, that four-year, $133 million deal, once it was matched by Phoenix, it really created a position for, for Phoenix. They didn't have many assets besides Mikhail Bridges and a bunch of draft picks. And so we'll see where Phoenix, it, It's it, to me, they are still very, very far behind from the rest of the pack. Um, but really, those are the three or four teams that I think can make still poses a serious threat for Kevin Durant. Alright, so you've had a day now. We've all had a day to kind of process what happened with Durant. And we saw everything that happened yesterday and the responses today. To what level are the Suns still in this thing for Kevin Durant? That's the question everybody wants to know the answer to. Well, they're not taking themselves out of it, but they haven't had any serious engagement with the Nets to this point. And the reason why is because the Suns continue to be told every conversation that they had that they just don't have enough. Now, the Nets have shut down all the teams they've spoken with, not just the Suns. I mean, that's why there's no deal. So the Suns aren't the only team. that hey, That's not enough. That's not enough. Now, the question now is, do the Nets re-engage the Suns or not? Do the Nets re-engage the Suns? At this, at this point, um, you know, when I checked on this late last night, there hadn't been any other discussions. And again, they have not had serious engagements with them to this point for the simple reason that, you know, uh, when they check in with them on a regular basis, they've basically been told that they just don't don't have enough to make a deal. But that's the same thing the Nets are telling everybody else or else there, there would be a deal. Now, an interesting thing that is that, you know, while while the owner of the Nets, you know, did say that he that he that he backs the front office and he did not directly mention Steve Nash or Sean Mark. You know, it's funny. I thought about that after our show yesterday. I'm glad you brought that up okay. in, in the statement. I'll read the statement again from Joe Sy. It's certainly implied, but quote. Our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Close quote. He didn't specifically say, Sean Marks and Steve Nash have my support. Right. It's implied. It's certainly implied. Implied, it, yep. And it does seem as if Josai is is kind of taking the, side, the ultimatum yesterday. Hey, it's either those two guys or me. That's what's in front of you. Certainly, it's easy to imply what Joe said and say, okay, he's, he's backing his coach. He's backing 
acting as general manager. But it is an interesting and, and maybe important distinction somewhere down the road that he didn't specifically say Sean Marks and he didn't specifically say Steve Nash when he said who has his support. No. And now, listen, the Nets are clearly in a tough spot, but there is the belief that this that this doesn't have to get resolved right away. I mean, this could go to into training camp. This could go to a trade deadline. But, you know, a lot of the people that I spoke with recently kind of have almost like ruled out him going back to the Nets because of what transpired yesterday. But you would have to, like, to get some of these, like... There's not been a deal because nobody has been able to offer the Nets a package that they've deemed, you know, reasonable. Now, do other teams uh, raise their offers? Does another team get you know, a third or fourth team get involved? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, you know, to get Gavin Turner. Or do they come off of does the owner does the owner go to Sean Marks and say, look, go make the best deal you can make. And I'm not going to hold it against you. Make the best deal you can make. It doesn't matter what team he goes to. I don't care. But just make the best deal you can, and let's get and let's move on from this this drama, this this headache that we've got right now. This is that they don't want to go into camp with this. So that's something that you have to think about too. But at this point, I think what the Suns are waiting for is is to see if the Nets will reengage them in discussion. Yeah, because it seems to me, uh, uh, okay, let's let's assume that the owner meant, you know, okay, I support my general manager, I support my I support my coach. By doing that, it, it's uh, and I kind of thought the same thing. It's almost like, okay, I get it. We're not going to win this trade. You're my guys. You know, I get it. We're not going to get everything that we thought we're going to get. You're my guys. I believe in you. And I, one writer, and I can't remember who, had even suggested I read so many stories about this last night and today, I can't remember exactly who wrote it, who had said that part of Kevin Durant's motivation in all of this might have been to kind of not only stir the pot, but force the Nets into a position where they just have to take less, right? Where they have to lower their demands. I mean, Kevin Durant has called you out. Kevin Durant has made an ultimatum. The owner has sided with the front office. The owner has sided with the head coach. At this point, it seems illogical to believe that the Nets can continue to ask for everything in a Kevin Durant trade because they're almost in this position now where they have to move him. And maybe Joe Sy's tweet yesterday could be looked at as sort of a, okay, hey, I get it, Sean Marks. Do the best job you can because we're not going to win this trade. Kevin Durant's put us in an awful position. And just go out there and do the best thing you possibly can do. It might have lowered the price for Kevin Durant and forced the Nets to come down off that big asking price. Yeah, and I think that's what everybody's waiting for right now. Um, is is it is it possible that the owner goes to the GM and says, "Look, th- th- this has gone on long enough. You got to make a deal." And even though Mark says there isn't a great deal out there, the owner says, "Make the best deal you can." You make the best deal you can, you know, and then, you know, listen, you know, you could get automatically, you know, you could get four first round draft picks. I mean, they come away with anything less than they, they shouldn't do a deal. You know, you can come away with four first round draft picks. The question is the package of players. Initially, they wanted an all star caliber player and and others. And, and that may not be what they can get for Durant. Now, is the owner willing if Mark says, look, you know, we, we wait this out, we'll get a better deal. Are they willing to wait this out? Right. I mean, this is this is drama that they don't want at this point. It's a headache that they want to move on from. 
I don't think. I mean, you can't. You call out the the GM and the 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 coach and the GM, and you want them fired. It's like okay, enough's enough. We got to move on from this guy. But you still want to make the best deal you can. Yeah. Do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Text the word character to six twenty six twenty. Share their story. What's in it for them? A ten thousand dollars scholarship for Parker and Sons and Arizona Sports. Again, text the word character to six twenty six twenty. Now, when we come back on this Tuesday edition of the Burns and Gambo Show, former NBA players shared their thoughts on the Kevin Durant situation. That includes one of his former teammates. You'll hear how the league reacted next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, Kevin Durant, watch the latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. Oh, yeah, we're really getting our money's worth of that thing now, right? We were playing yes. that thing for weeks, and it was like, man, should we really be playing this anymore? This thing seems like it's kind of stalled out. I mean, and now we're getting our money's worth on that bad boy. Play it. Just <laughs> seems like just seems like something's got to happen now. Yes, it does. It seems like some, something's got to give. I think, the hold, I think the holding pattern is off. I agree. I, I, I would acknowledge that something might not happen, that the Nets might say, you know what, we're not going to be bullied like this, and we're not going to trade you for less than you're worth, and we're not firing our coach, and deal with it. And, and the Nets could very well play that game with Kevin Durant and see how he responds to it. But Gambo, I am mostly, at this point, inclined to agree with you that when it comes to this, that it just feels like the end game is coming. That it's it's okay. Lines have been lines in the sand have been drawn. Ultimatums have been made. Sides have been chosen. The owner has given his support to the front office. It, it just feels like we are at that point where sometime and then I don't want to put a number on it because I I you know then you get held to it and what if you're wrong? But like sometimes just the point of no return. Yeah, no return like it, to the net. It the feels point like we're there. No return. Yeah, it feels like we're there. Like I don't know if a deal is going to happen in seven days, ten days, two weeks. I don't know, but if because we're still seven weeks away from the start of training camp, right? We still got a long ways to go before the, the teams even have to report. But it does feel like something now has to happen for the Nets, and they just can't allow this to just be when they go to camp in a, in several weeks. They just can't at this point. No, I mean at this point now you have to reengage. If you're the Nets, you have to call the Suns and the Celtics, and you have to. I mean you have to. I mean your owners basically, you know, your, your owner supported you. Um, you you're not going to want, if you're Steve Nash and you're Sean Marks, you're not going to want to bring Kevin Durant back. You're not. I mean, it just leads to a real toxic environment. you got to worry about the rest of your team, too. Okay? I know you'd love to bring him back, but, you know, he, he doesn't want to play for you. He doesn't want to play for Steve Nash. And at, at this point, you do have to worry about the other guys on that team and not causing them a, a distract, giving them every chance they can to succeed. Even though, you're, you know, you're not going to win anything, you, you know, you do have to do what's best for the whole team. So moving on from Durant, even though, you know, from a win-loss perspective, it's 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 probably not the best for, for your mental psyche and just the team's ability to just move on. At some point, you're going to have to move on. The sooner, the better. The reaction around the NBA has been very apparent, um, and uh, especially from former players. Jay Williams this morning on his radio show on ESPN Radio, along with Keyshawn and Max, um, talked about what happened yesterday and Josiah's response to it. What I'm saying to Kevin Durant, if I were Josiah, is it's the Brooklyn Nets franchise. That's who I'm choosing. And I think that's what Josiah's tweet was about. And whatever in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets franchise, I'm going to do that. And in my opinion, that's to keep Kevin Durant. 
And if Kevin Durant, if you don't want to play, if you want to go through training camp and not play, then we're going to have to deal with that with Adam Silver. But the only way I'm going to move Kevin Durant is if I get equivalent assets in return or more for KD. I'm not taking less than what the best player in basketball is worth now in the game. He's the best player in basketball. I'm not taking less for KD. I can't do it. It's not a good business decision, Keith. I just don't know if the Nets can play that game. I really well, don't. they've tried to play that game since June 30th. Where's it gotten them? Yeah. They've they tried to play that game. They've told everybody you don't have enough. Trust me, the Phoenix Suns have been told, been told you don't have enough. You don't have enough to make a deal. That's why you haven't heard Mikhail. Like, you don't have enough. Hey, we, you know, we're into You don't have enough. Like, we don't want DeAndre Ayton and the rest. We don't have enough. You trading Devin Booker? No. Okay, no discussion. We want an all-star back. So the, Nets, the, the Suns have been basically been told that they don't have enough to make a deal. Now, if you have the Nets, and now you call, hey, it's Sean Marks. James, what's going on? <laughs> now, now you, you kind of know. Okay, wait. You said I didn't have enough. Well, you know. You know, now it's like, okay, you know, maybe the ball's in these other teams' core. I I still think if I'm the Nets, I I go to every team that has made a, uh, you know, that, 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 that has something I may want, and I say, give me your best offer. Give me your best offer. Now, maybe you put a deadline on it. By Friday of next week, we're going to make a decision. And, you know, we're not trading him where he wants to go. I'm trading him to the best offer I can get. And at that point... Now, if you're the Suns, you're like, okay, um, you know, everybody, they're going to make, they're going to make a deal. We yeah. have to put our best foot forward. You're yeah. almost forcing the teams to, to, to give you their best offer. Sight unseen. You don't know what the other team's going to offer, and you're saying, I'm going to take the best offer. So make me your strongest offer. Yeah, it does seem like the, the Nets are now put in this position where, where, and I, I like Jay Will a lot. I really do, and and he's played in the league for you know for as long as he has. But it seems to me the Nets now are in this spot where you're, you're, you are going to be lucky to get equal value for Kevin Durant anyway. You were, you were never going to get equal value for Kevin Durant. Now your ability to get equal value for him has been so diminished by everything that's gone on in the last 24 hours. You can't possibly expect to get equal value for him at this point. Now, does that mean you keep him? You know, and then and then the ball's back in Kevin Durant's court. Are you, are you not going to show? Are you not there? Does this case go before Adam Silver? Does he weigh in on, is it Ben Simmons all over again? I don't know what happens next, but Jay Will He's due almost two hundred million dollars. No, how does he? How does he say how does no he to not that? Play? How does he walk away from that? I don't know. The way he's gone about this has rubbed some guys the wrong way. To Kendrick Perkins, and we don't have any audio on this one. This was a tweet, but Kendrick Perkins, his former teammate in Oklahoma City, tweeted, "Quote: So let's get this straight. KD requests a trade the day after the draft. All the stuff hits the fan, and a month later, he doubles up and calls for the jobs of the GM and the coach." This this generation is some goons. Carry on, close quote. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he's not wrong. No. No, he's not wrong. He's, he's not wrong. No. I mean, this is what happens. Like I said, like I said earlier, if you don't you, you don't really understand what's going on if you don't realize that the superstar players are controlling everything, right? This is this is just a, a, a exact depiction of, of what really happens behind the scenes. You just got you just got to see it played out in public instead of behind the scenes. Superstar players, you know, they they are running things. Yes. They are running things. And you know, you're you're a general manager making, you know, 3 4 million bucks a year, you're 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 not going to have a lot of control over the superstar player making 40 million 
$1,000 a year. So when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, if the Suns and the Nets are unable to get a deal done for Kevin Durant by themselves and there has to be a third team they can loop in, who could that third team be? And is it going to take a third team? Does it have to be a fourth team? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show. Arizona Sports, Kevin Durant, watch the latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. We've talked for a while when it comes to the Suns and their ability to get involved in this. And Gambo has mentioned this repeatedly for the last month or so, certainly the last few weeks, that the Suns don't have enough. And for the Suns to be able to get this done, it might require a third team. It might even require a fourth team when it's all said and done for the Suns to really, truly get in the Kevin Durant thing. And and maybe now that things have been accelerated, maybe now that Kevin Durant has kind of stirred the pot and Joe Sy has kind of stirred the pot right back, maybe something happens now much sooner than we were expecting when it comes to the story. Maybe we really start to see some movement. One team, and I, I read this today in kind of preparing for the show, and I, I, I know we're all looking for the team that could potentially get looped into this. Read a story today based out of Oklahoma City, Gambo, that suggested the Thunder might very well be a team that could be a key third team in getting involved with anybody who wants Kevin Durant because they've got picks, they've got players, they've got young guys, they've got veterans. Now, which ones of them they'd be willing to move, I don't know. But the suggestion was that Oklahoma City very much could be a team that other teams should call that they're trying to get in on the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Yeah, there's no question that what what they have and, and what team what what the Nets are going to want, what everybody's going to want, just picks. Like if if the if the Jazz trade Donovan Mitchell, they want picks. If the, the Nets trade Durant, they want picks and players. Like the Jazz are pretty good with just give me the picks. Okay, we're going to start over. We're not going to win anything right now. We just traded Gobert. We might as well get as many picks as we can and do and do it that way. But you know, um, if you're the Nets. You got, you know, you still have Kyrie Irving, you still have Ben Simmons, you still have Joe Harris, and you have no, as we've said many, many times, the difference is they've got no incentive to lose because their picks, the Nets picks, are going to go to Houston. And it would be humiliating to give the Houston Rockets several lottery picks. It would be humiliating if they end up giving the Rockets the number one overall pick in the draft or a top five pick. So the incentive is to win. That's why they want good players, too. We don't just want back draft pick. We want back good players because they want to try and win. Oklahoma City is interesting because they do have a lot of picks coming you know coming up in the next few drafts yeah the story i read i think it was on fansided.com said the perfect team for this situation is oklahoma city they've got picks they've got young players they've got veterans they've got everything in between that could help facilitate a three-team deal to get durant on the move if if you want to have some fun google you know future picks for oklahoma city the thunder i mean it's remarkable how many they have it is remarkable They've got a first round pick in. They have two first round picks in 2023. Well, we just do first round picks because they got a boatload of second round picks too. Yeah, they do. So they got they got they have their own first round pick, and then they have the Clippers' first round pick in 23. They have their own first round pick, and then Houston's first round pick in 24, and the Clippers' first round pick in 24, and the Jazz's first round pick in 24. 
In 25, they've got Houston or the Clippers' first-round pick. They have Miami's first-round pick. They have Philly's first-round pick. They have their own first-round pick. I'm not even going second round because, like I said. It's too uh, much. It's It's too much. 2026, they've got Houston's first-round pick. They've got their own first-round pick. They've got the Clippers' first-round pick. You see where I'm going? Even in 27, they've got two picks. they got Denver's first-round pick in 27 and their own pick. Like, it's just they are loaded, loaded, loaded with picks. But I don't know. What would they want back? to give up some of those that future inventory. And I don't know. I mean, surely they would. I, I mean, anytime you loop in a third team like that, I mean, you've got to you've got to do something to sweeten the pot for them. And I'm, I'm thinking about this out loud. I'm thinking like, OK, for a team like that, normally they would want picks. Yeah, OK, well, we'll take on that awful contract for you. Give us some picks and make it worth our while. Do you really? You know, but that's that's not what you'd be wanting from Oklahoma City in this deal. You'd want them to give up picks. You'd want them to add picks to make Brooklyn want to do this more. So what would you give them to make that better? A player? A player to make them better? Do they want to get better? Oklahoma City, to me, kind of strikes me as a team that might be trying to tank because they're trying to get one of these two great players in next year's draft. So I'm not, I am not. I get it that you'd want to loop them in because they have all of these picks that might entice Brooklyn. But it also seems to me that unless you're giving them picks back, I don't know what player they would want because I don't know how good Oklahoma City wants to be next year with everything that's going on there. Yeah, because those, you know, and, and I was talking with a team last week, and I and I, I know you, you know, I filled you in on everything with this team, and they said, listen, the, the problem for the Nets is that the teams that could have, that can give them exactly what they want, a combination of good young players and all the draft picks, they're, they're not willing to make that trade because they're not close enough. You know, you're trading for a 34-year-old guy. You've got to be within a year or two of winning it. So you look at the team like Oklahoma City. You look at a team like New Orleans. You look at some of those teams. You're like, you know that 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 have what the Nets would want. You you know like if you're, you're if you're New Orleans right you've got Zion you've got Brandon Ingram you've got CJ McCollum you've got Herb Jones you got you got a lot of good players like and the picks that they've got but the New Orleans isn't ready to win in the next year or two so you're not going to trade it's very unlikely you trade for Kevin Durant and give up you know three players and three first round draft picks because you're probably not going to win with him in the in the next two years when he's in his prime so still. it's funny in the midst of all of this Kevin Durant speculation that is fired back up again after what's happened in the last 24 hours with the ultimatum and the response from ownership and things like that. In the midst of all of this, the NBA writers over at ESPN.com, and there's a whole bunch of them, they they projected win-loss records for every team in the Western Conference. And and these are these are their great. top NBA writers, right? And so they, they've got them listed by the contenders, by the play-in group, and then the bottom five. I clicked on this link, and I thought the Suns would have the projected second best record, maybe the third best record. They still have the Phoenix Suns projected as the number one team in the Western Conference next wow. year. Wow. With a 56 and 26 wow. record. Wow. And even they acknowledge it's, you know, yes, Phoenix is coming off a surprising second round meltdown. And no, they didn't make any roster additions over the summer. Quote, frankly, they probably don't need any. They need Chris Paul to be healthy, Devin Booker to play at an MVP caliber level, and for any animosity between DeAndre Eaton and the franchise to be erased. And, and I, I, it got me thinking, okay, it's not going to change if they go get Kevin Durant, right? They're, I'm assuming they would still have Kevin Durant. They'd still have the Suns as the number one team in the Western Conference. 
I was a little bit surprised that given how badly the season ended, there's still that level of belief by these writers that the right. Suns have the best team in the Western Conference right now. Yeah, and, and I, that's what I was thinking. And, and I really found that fascinating. Okay, the, so the Suns trade, you know, say they, they trade a couple of their really good they're two young players. You know, say they trade Mikhail and Cam and a couple other players and draft picks. They get Kevin Durant. They're still going to be projected to have the best record by these people. They're not going to be, oh my God, the Suns just got Kevin Durant. Let's bump him down to the fourth best record in the West. No. They have, they're predicted to have the best record with or without Kevin Durant. With or without him. Yeah. So, but, surprise. You know, but it's I'm not surprised. A, but it's, right. But you know what? We learned this last year. It's not about the 64 wins. It's about the playoffs. It's about what happens in the playoffs when a team is playing you five, six, seven games instead of like, you know, once and then wait two months and then play them again. You know, when teams can make adjustments and shut down your best players and in the playoffs when you're not playing bad teams and you're playing great teams and they're better defensively and they're better offensively and they usually have a superstar player. You know that that that's what this is about. This this is this has nothing to do with, you know, how does this help us in the regular season? This has everything to do with does this get us over the hump in the postseason? Yeah, they had the Suns with fifty six wins. They had Golden State with fifty five. They had the Nuggets with fifty three. They had Memphis fourth with fifty one wins. The Clippers fifth with fifty wins. You know how I feel about the Clippers. I think they're yeah. really being undersold in this one. I the, think a lot of people are underselling them. I don't know why. I don't know. Really? I don't know why. I think they're going to be so good next year. The Dallas Mavericks, sixth with 49 wins. The play-in group, Minnesota, seventh with 49 wins. New Orleans, eighth with 43 wins. The Lakers, ninth with 42. The Trailblazers, tenth with 37 wins and 47 losses. Think about how tough the West is. If New Orleans, who gave the Suns a run for their money, and we're like, wow, that was C.J. McCollum changed that whole dynamic, and they're getting Zion back. Yep, and they picked to finish eighth. Yeah, barely over five hundred by a few games mm-hmm. behind Minnesota. That's how good the West is. That New Orleans with a, a, a nice roster, a, a really nice roster, gets Zion back. And they can't crack the top seven in these predictions. You can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now here on the Burns and Gambo Show. He is now signed with the Valley's hockey team for the next five years. What was the reason behind that big commitment? We'll ask Coyotes forward Lawson Krause. He'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We uh, It was a big day yesterday for the Coyotes organization, and it was a big day yesterday for our next guest here on Burns and Gambo with his new five-year contract in hand. Hopefully it's not in his hand right now, but if it is, that would be pretty cool, too. Lawson Kraus joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Lawson, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Congratulations on the new deal. Hey, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. A career year for you. 20 goals, 14 assists, 34 points, 181 hits in, in, in just 65 games. How important was it for you to re-up with this organization for the next five years? Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, I've said it a, a few times now, but, um, you know, Arizona holds a special place in my heart. Um, I've been there for six years, going on my seventh year. And, um, you know, the people, the organization, uh, my teammates, uh, you know, the support's been incredible. And um, for me to be back for another five years is a dream come true. 
Let, let's go back to, to when you were trade. You were drafted by Florida, first round, I think 11th overall. Never played for them. You came over in the deal in which they were, you know, they were getting rid of the contract of Dave Boland. Take me back to when, when you got, what was your initial thought when you got traded from Florida to Arizona? Uh, I was quite shocked. I mean, um, you see, but like you, you read and hear about trades all the time. But when it's uh, yourself, um, especially being, you know, kind of pretty fresh off being drafted in the first round to the organization, it was definitely caught me by surprise. But um, at that point, my my you know my attitude didn't change. Instead of going to try and make the Florida Panthers, it was to try and make the Arizona Coyotes. And um, you know, uh, very thankful actually in the long run that. That, that trade happened because if it didn't I don't know if I would be here today speaking to you guys so um, you know everything happens for a reason I'm a big believer in that and um, you know just very excited for what the future holds for myself and the, and the team and the organization yeah let's talk about the future a little bit because it's it's you know been in flux for the last few years it finally seems like there is a direction that the organization is now kind of pointing to what is it about this core and this you know current group of coyotes that may you want to commit to it for the next five years? I just believe in them. And, you know, um, like I said earlier, it's Arizona holds a special place in my heart. And, um, you know, the core that we have, um, the guys that we signed, um, you know, we just had a really good draft. So the pieces are all moving and they're all moving in the right direction. It's just about us growing and continuing to grow as a group and taking those next step forwards, becoming a championship team. Um, you know, who knows how long that's going to take, but I'm here for it. I believe in it. I trust the process and, you know, I'm ready to help make a change and help push to be, you know, a better player, a better person and definitely a, a better team. I think this sends a really good message, you know, for Bill Armstrong and the entire organization to lock up such a good young player like you for the next five years while they're probably going to spend the next four playing in a college arena that only seats 5,000 people. I think all of us were wondering what are free agents going to think, you know, playing in a college arena and not having their own real home. What's it, what, is it going to hurt the Yotes chances of signing players? You re up for five years. Do you think that sends a message to other free agents out there that it's, that, that it's, that it's cool to come play here in Arizona? Well, I hope so. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I can't speak for anyone else. Um, I can only speak for myself. And for myself, I'm very excited for this opportunity. And, you know, it definitely is unique and different as much as uh, you want to beat around the bush. But um, I'm excited. It's definitely going to be loud in there. Um, you know, who knows how long it's going to be. But um, definitely very open-minded about it. And I've talked to a lot of people. Everyone's excited. So I'm um, looking forward to packing that house opening night. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be a tremendous atmosphere with five thousand people, right, basically, right on the ice and going crazy. But what what, what are the neg- What are the negatives you've heard? Did, did it affect your ability to re-sign here in any way, knowing that you, you'd have to play three, maybe four years there? Um, no, uh, I mean, obviously, it, it, it was talked about, but you know, um, my job as a hockey player is to go out and put, you know, do everything that I can do on the ice. I can't really control what happens off the ice. Um, you know, that's why we have ownership and management. So, um, for me, I'm just, you know, focusing on myself right now and in the team, and I'm um, just trying to get better. And you know, whether it's in a forty-five, five thousand seat arena or a seventeen thousand seat arena, it doesn't make a difference to me. I'm still playing the game that I love and. 
um, doing it for, for all the right reasons and, um, you know, just looking forward to it. Lawson Krauss, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, and yet there's got to be a belief because it was five years that you, the organization, guys around you, you're you're going to come out of this okay. I mean, it, it, you, you obviously have that belief that when it's all said and done, on the back end of this deal, when it's closer to expiring, that you guys are going to be in a much better position than the one that you're in now when it comes to your arena situation? Yeah, and that's exactly it. That's the ultimate goal, you know, to come out of this on top. And um, I think that just speaks to the belief that I have, um, you know, signing a five-year deal. I don't I don't just want to, you know, write off five years. I want to, you know, hopefully grow and continue to grow and come out of this sooner than later and um, do it in a positive way with, you know, a great group of guys and a great management and ownership and, um, you know, really do something special for the state. I mean, take a look at the, the amount of minor hockey being played in the state right now. It's uh, even from my first year, six years ago, it's come so far. And uh, I'm a big believer that, you know, Arizona needs an NHL franchise. And, um, you know, I think it's just going to be good for everyone to continue to grow the game in Arizona. And I'm definitely excited and happy to be part of it. You're a younger player and the organization obviously skews with the younger players after the draft and the success in the draft. How much of that now becomes part of your gig? How much of that was already part of your gig to be a mentor to the younger guys? Yeah, I realize, you know, kind of the power that I have as a player and, um, you know, to try and help these young guys learn. And, um, you know, I've been through a lot throughout my career. I've had highs, I've had lows, just like everyone else. And, um, you know, if I can just teach them things here and there, or, you know, whether it's just them, you know, watching. I remember being a rookie watching Shane Doan and um, just watching and learning from him and listening to him and seeing how he conducts himself each and every day. It's um, He probably didn't know at the time how much that meant to me, but, um, you know, hopefully I can be that impact for some younger guys on our on our team and guys that are coming into the organization. So, um, you know, just trying to, to, to lead and to, to be the best person and a player as I can each and every day. And um, hopefully, hopefully that carries on and, you know, sheds off on some of the young guys. All right. So when did you get the nickname, the sheriff? Uh, that actually happened my second year in junior. Um, I was doing, uh, if I remember correctly, I was doing, uh, I was prior to the subway series, which we do in, in junior. Um, and I did an interview with a girl. I forget who she was writing for, but uh, we just sat down over coffee and we had probably about a 30-minute interview and she titled the, the caption of the article, The Sheriff, and it kind of just stuck from there on out. All right, because I'm going to ask you. I mean, we, we had Andrew Chafin. He was the sheriff when he was here with the D-backs. There's a player on the Cardinals that just got a new nickname, just recently. Just got a new, I want to see what you think of this nickname. So they gave Isaiah Simmons. He's a, a, a linebacker, third year in the league, first-round draft pick. They gave him the nickname Starbacker. Like, sheriff's pretty cool, but what do you think of Starbacker? <laughs> it almost sounds like a horse in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> see, I was thinking, like, Guardian of the Galaxy yeah. movie. What, 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 what was that Burnsy Star Lord? Star Lord. It sounds like people, a Marvel people, character. I yeah. mean, people get creative. Sometimes those nicknames stick, and sometimes they don't. But uh, yeah, people definitely get creative with them. That's yeah. for sure. Like, like, do you like the, do you like NFL football? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, growing up in Canada, it wasn't huge. Obviously, we have the CFL here, which is um, you know our our football here to watch. But um, as soon as I you know started playing hockey and saw how much the guys were into the football, I got into it. And yeah, I've been I've been following it ever since. It's definitely a great great sport and uh, a lot of fun to watch. 
you know, just sitting back on the couch on a day off or, you know, after a game or after practice on Sunday. And, um, yeah, it's entertaining, that's for sure. I'm definitely a big fan now. Lawson, uh, congratulations on your new deal. Thanks for your time today. We appreciate it, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on again. You got it. Thanks, Lawson. Lawson Krause joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, Kevin Durant gave out an ultimatum. Me or the head coach and the GM? Where did this animosity towards Steve Nash come from? Because it wasn't there a few months ago. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show.